It's the Jeremiah Show. Welcome to the Jeremiah Show. A very, very special guest today on the show. Anais Reno. She made her first appearance on this show when she was only 17. Anais, don't worry. You're, you're probably getting close to the age where people will quit, quit referring to your age. That must just drive you <laughs> nuts. <laughs> um, she literally blew me away with her voice and her talent. Seriously. I now have seat belts on the radio studio chairs. <laughs> <laughs> Anais has been involved in the performing arts since she was eight, eight years old. After winning the 2016 Forte International Competitions Platinum Award, at Carnegie Hall, Anais won second place at Michael Feinstein's Great American Songbook Academy competition in the summer of 2015. She was the youngest contestant ever. First place at the Mabel Mercer Foundation competition in New York City. In March of 2019, she was 15 and in 2020, she won the Julie Wilson Award. On November 21st, uh, 2021, she was announced as one of the finalists for Young Arts and Jazz Voice out of three voice finalists nationwide. You think I'm done? I'm not done. <laughs> I'm not done. <laughs> Studying voice since 2013 with Sarah Toller and the 92nd Street Y, as well as with her father, a former opera singer, Anais graduated in the spring of 2021 from LaGuardia High School, where she studied drama. When we first met her, you were still in high school. Anais is now a college student, and she attends SUNY Purchase, where she is studying jazz voice with Alexis Cole and opera with Sherry Overholt as an Ella Fitzgerald scholar. An Ella Fitzgerald scholar. 
Crazy. What is that? That's crazy. When she was 10, Anais began singing with the highly acclaimed professionals in the field and performing in prominent venues. She, was, she has performed with the New York Philharmonic and the David Geffen Hall with her own compositions, and she made a Rose Hall debut in Lincoln Center in the Cabaret Convention when she was 15 with K.T. Sullivan, among many, many other famous personalities in the cabaret world. She also sang at NJPAC, is that New Jersey PAC? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> with Billy uh, Stritch and Catherine Russell and has had several sold-out shows at Feinstein's 54 Below and at our good friend, our mutual good friend, Johnny Valente's mm-hmm. Birdland with Billy Stritch, Ted Firth, and Emmett Cohen. You think I'm done? I'm not done. <laughs> Her debut album, celebrating. Uh, am I embarrassing you, at Ice? <laughs> you're like. I appreciate the commentary. <laughs> you're like you're gonna read the whole bio, aren't you? But I, it's so good. How could I leave out anything? And it's been a while since Shucks, I read your. Very nice. <laughs> I haven't read your whole bio. I don't think since the first episode, which is years ago. Um, <laughs> and so I think I want to. I want our listeners to. <laughs> really fully appreciate who they get to spend the next hour with here. Sucks. Thank you. <laughs> mm, no, thank you. I am almost finished. But I have to mention uh, the music on your debut album is just incredible. You celebrate Duke Ellington, one of my favorites, and Billy Strayhorn. The album's titled Love, Somethi- Love Something. I always want to like stretch that out, but it's Love Something. Anna Ace Reno sings Ellington and Strayhorn with the Emmett Cohen Trio. That's the name of the album. Um, I'll, I'll pause for a moment. I'd love you to go to anywhere you buy music and download that album and purchase that album. You're, it was, listen to this. It was released only in 2020 and it received international critical acclaim as well as climbed to number six. On the jazz charts, after performing in the top 10 for four consecutive weeks. Anais has been featured on Inside Edition, Good Day New York, uh, on the New York State of Mind. Welcome back to New York video with such stars as, is it Adina? Mm-hmm. Manzel and Stephen Colbert. And you sang America the Beautiful at the 2021 9-11 Mets and Yankee game. That must have just been uh, goosebumps, chills. That was pretty, that was pretty exciting. Yeah. It was, that was a really, that was, I was very grateful for that experience. Yeah. Okay, now, now I'm done, but now we get to talk to you and get to know you again. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, yeah, I was going to say welcome back. I very much appreciate that. <laughs> uh, you should be my PR manager. <laughs> well, if you, when you watch the YouTube uh, channel and, and the video on this, Anais had her head down through most of that introduction on her desk. <laughs> I think I was embarrassing her. Um, but wow, congr- I mean, I have to give you a hand here, but I'm a, a hand of two, one, two. Oh, I'll um, give you a hand. Yeah, no, I mean, what an incredible, you just don't stop, do you? You just keep, it's in you. It's who you are. You are a songbird, you are a musician and art, such an artist, a true artist. Thank you. Well, so let me give you the official welcome back, Anais, my young old friend. 
<laughs> Yay. <laughs> and, I'm and, so happy to be back. Thank you. We've missed you for sure. So you live in a dorm, um, but that is when you can get in to that dorm. <laughs> <laughs> I can get into the dorm. I was having an issue with my key because I can't do basic tasks like using a key. <laughs> so <laughs> those my keys, friend had to help me. <laughs> those keys are tricky. Yeah, well, you. or maybe they're not, and I just don't know how to use keys. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, so what we're referring to is we had a phone call earlier, and she couldn't get into her dorm. But she's at her dorm now. I'm glad to say safe and sound. And uh, what what's that like, being in a dorm now? Last time we spoke, you were at, at your home in New York City. I mean, it's pretty dormy, you know. Dormy. It's <laughs> Uh, it's a cool experience. You definitely get the freedom of college life as anybody would, which is nice. And it's very convenient here at Purchase because I still am pretty close to the city, so I can go back and forth a lot. That was a big thing in terms of choosing colleges for me, his location. But I still have that little bubble, that little separation. And my roommate is wonderful. This is the second year in a row that we're living together. Mm. And I live with a couple other of my friends. So I like dorm life. It's very nice. <laughs> Do you like, is it, is it fun? I don't, you don't strike me as, uh, from our other conversations, as like the college party girl. But maybe I'm wrong. Is it fun to be away from home? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm particularly a partier. Not that Purchase is exactly known for its partying it's definitely had its moments but it's a conservatory you know it's a lot of art students and so it's a lot of performances on campus more so than parties i'd say hmm. but it's very wonderful to be surrounded by all these hard-working artistic and very innovative minds that i can call my friends so yeah i bet it's nice in that way I bet. I bet going. I bet being around creativity spark your creativity and creative people. Yeah. And that's what, that's one of the reasons I love this show and getting to talk to you, because it's a you know to to talk to an artist or someone who is creating and who is um, searching rather than someone that's just doing the nine to five. Although I'm sure they they have dreams and they're creative as well. You know, yeah. it's it's just a it's a it's a to me. It's a um, energizing conversation and a person that you know. Okay, if you're a casual fan observing from the outside, your life looks incredible. Your success is mesmerizing. Your talent is envied. <laughs> but you actually grew up on the mean streets of New York City. <laughs> <laughs> the glory. And, yeah, yeah. Or the, but New York City streets and the clubs and the pressure you feel as an artist, no matter what age, and the music industry can be overwhelming at times, can't it? Isn't it, isn't it overwhelming at times? Of course. I mean, it is for everybody, no matter what outlet you grew up experiencing music through, nor anything creative, really. It's definitely tough, especially at a young age, I think. When people in any environment, but especially a city environment, see that somebody is interested in something like that from a young age, let alone if they think that that person is good at it, 
very they very much like to put that person in the spotlight which in some ways is an incredible thing you know you get these opportunities from a young age you get to meet all these people and i feel very grateful for the leg up that i'm fully aware i have had Mm -hmm. i also think it puts some pressure i think whether it's academically or musically or whatever outlet it's in i think kids who are who grow up with a lot of pressure on them can experience that kind of firing back on them a little bit as they grow up but you know that is not just in my situation or even in my friends or even in a city or musical environment that's no matter who you are of course but those are just my thoughts on that because i know you and i were talking about that earlier Mm -hmm. yeah we did talk with you know uh uh, for the for people that are listening, uh, Anais and I were going to do our the New Year's Eve show together a few weeks back, and um, I got the flu, and then her piano player got the flu. Uh, you know, so we've we've kind of this conversation has 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 morphed into what we wanted to talk about. Um, originally, you were going to play a lot of live music for us. And then we just started thinking, you know, this, let's have a conversation. We always have such great conversations, it seems, together. Yeah. And, I, you know, we talked about having, uh, making this episode about young musicians, you know, young musicians' perspective of life in New York City because from the outside it looks so exciting and there, and there are so many people around the world that want to get to New York City and, and, and take us, you know, take a shot at their chance, their dream. I want to use New York City throughout this conversation almost as a metaphor for life um, and for the world. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, a city, a world in its own. And so this story, Anais, um, and, f- you know, for everybody listening, this is a, this is New York City through your eyes, through your feelings, through your experiences, um, and we're going to talk about stories from your life that inspired a particular life perspective for you at a moment or circumstances that determined choices and choices that you made on how you wanted to live, how you wanted to treat people, uh, how maybe how you would wish at certain points you had been treated on your climb to success uh, in your craft and your art. Um, and there's times when you're overwhelmed and when we're all overwhelmed by life uh, and the city, these experiences that you're having within the city walls, um, they helped shape you. And sometimes you said, uh, as, we, as I pitched romant- like a romantic idea of the city, you, you, like you always do, shot back honestly it's a perceived glory of the city. Mm. And I love, I love that. I wrote that down. I thought, you're right. It's a, it's a perceived glory. Um, what is it like to navigate that big city that you come from, that you grow up in as a younger person and as you grow into a young adult? I think, like I said before, there are huge pros and there are, definitely cons as with everything of course 
I think something that I've been incredibly privileged to experience is, for one, my parents are musicians. My mm-hmm. mom's a violinist. My dad used to be an opera singer. So I got to grow up around music and people who knew what they were talking about in that regard. So when I started to get into jazz and performing, they were full throttle there for me to make that happen. And I know that's not something that everybody gets to say for themselves. So that combined with the fact that I'm in this mecca of not only music, but jazz, the jazz scene is huge in New York and very special and very particular that all made it so that I could meet all these musicians and I'm still meeting them. I have a lot of people that I have yet to hear and potentially, if I'm lucky, work with. And I know that's not always an option if you didn't grow up with those circumstances or in a place like that. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge pro. I do think that with that comes a little bit of a pressure to be good at everything, even if you haven't quite had the chance to work on it before. Because you don't as much have a chance to suck at certain things which is just part of the process we have to not be good at things sometimes in order to get to a place where we feel comfortable presenting it as part of what we do but that can be less of an option sometimes or maybe it's just part of how you decide to mentally approach it but i know for me i felt the need to pretend a little bit or to put pressure on myself to figure out a way to make things work even when i wasn't sure i could and I think that can be a little bit emotionally stunting for a lot of people. And I know that I'm far from the only one who feels this way because I went to high school at LaGuardia, which is the performing arts high school. And I loved it. But what a bunch of my friends from there and I can all agree on is that studying one art for hours and hours a day and being told that you're talented and being told that you're going to be a star, X, Y, Z, all of those terms It puts a lot of pressure and takes away a lot of opportunity to be a kid, to be a person. Mm -hmm. And generally, I think when kids are told that they're special, they grow up thinking, if I'm not, what else am I? And I think that's a huge thing in, in settings like that, because I see it all the time. And I know I've experienced it myself. I'm sorry, it's a little brutally honest, but yeah, I think with the pros come the cons and it just depends on how you approach it emotionally and mentally. And there's a lot of people that make it work very well. Some people where it just might not be for them. It just depends who you are, I think. How have you felt the pressure and how have you dealt with it? I'm currently dealing with it. I wouldn't say I'm on the other end of it yet, but I will be. And I do have faith in that. And, you know, I'm doing okay. I'm in a very privileged position to be at school and to be around other musicians and to be gigging. So I can't complain too much. No, but But I'd say I am currently in it. I wouldn't say I'm on the other side of it yet. And Anais, you know, um, please feel free to, you know, to voice what you're doing. What you're saying, what I hear you saying is um, 
I I am privileged. I am blessed. I am uh, lucky to be here. I have nothing to complain about. But you're also human, and you're also this pressure you just described. I can't imagine it. I can't imagine having that. And it makes total sense that you feel these things. And, you know, that's a lot of pressure. I can't imagine the weight on your shoulders and let it off a little bit here. And, and if you, if you want to, um, you know, what, what do you do to, if you don't mind me asking, and if it's too personal, tell me, tell me, let's move on. But what do you do as an artist with that pressure that you just described? You've been, you know, I read it. I just read it. I probably just put more weight on your back. You're 10, you're eight, you're this, you hit this, you did that. You know, what's next? You're accomplishing these incredible things. Wait, 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 you know, and what if tomorrow morning I'm not that anymore? And then what do I do? What do you do? Give some advice because there, I think there, you said there are other kids that went to your high school that are in the part in the program with you right now that have grown up like you have, but there are also kids out there listening right now around the world that are listening to what you're saying here. What do you do that helps you personally that maybe they could borrow to, to, to deal with that pressure? Are there tricks? I think the first thing that's important to mention is that there isn't just a miracle cure for something like that. And if there was, I would have used it by now because like I said, I am currently in it and it's nothing serious. We all have our stuff that we need to work through. This is mine. I'd say something that I'm currently trying to work on and we'll see how it goes. And something I've been told is really important as well is having something else in your life that you either enjoy or that is important to you in some way that is completely unrelated to the topic that you have spent so much of your life working towards. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for example, over quarantine, I started writing a little bit and it was pretty casual. And then when I started college, I completely stopped, not on purpose or for any particular reason, except that I didn't really have time and it was too much for my brain to handle. And I've started to very intermittently get back into it. And something about just thinking about it changes my interests, has brought me to some different conclusions about myself. You don't even have to spend hours a day working at it. It shouldn't be work at that point. It's just something else that you enjoy. And that can be hard to find. I was never interested in anything else besides what I had always done. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very important thing. I think therapy is an important thing. Mm -hmm. I think whatever any medical professional could suggest for your situation should very much be taken into account. Things that I could never suggest for anybody because it's not my place. So. There isn't one right answer. It's not that writing will be the answer for everybody or that it will even necessarily be the one and done answer for me. But I think making it so that your life is not about one thing and making it so that you know you have options. Because even a couple months ago, I was in this days of, what am I gonna do? I don't know 
what else there is for me. I don't know where else my life could go. I don't know how I'm supposed to navigate XYZ feelings I'm having while making this work. And now I understand it's okay. I can have a life that is many things. I can be a musician. I can have friends. I can wear all these different hats that we all wear. And people say this all the time. And they told me this for years as I was growing up, since I was probably 12, I've been hearing this. Mm -hmm. And I always said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I never took it that seriously. Not because I thought they were wrong, but because I hadn't yet internalized it. And now that I've internalized it, it makes it so that even when I feel I'm going through it, there is some semblance of hope that one day it'll be okay and i will have figured at least something out it's a long-winded way of saying don't spend your whole day every single day doing one thing basically Mm. Uh, no that's that's really good advice um you're you described it to the high from the high school the dramatic arts to the um to you know college where you're at now and uh, you, you know, you, you grew up, de- father's an opera singer, your mom's a, a violinist, right? Mm-hmm. And other things, um, among other things. And they're on, they're at, they're probably performing and you're probably a kid backstage or t- you're, you're, you're going along at all these shows and this is what you see and what imprints on you. And this is the way it should be, right? This is what you want to be. And then you get to a point like you've just described where you're like, is that all, you know, and is that all? And and that's probably scary. Um, What do you think a college, you know, these art colleges, these colleges that specialize in in music or drama or, you know, that really keep you in that lane that you're good at and and, uh, help you grow within that? What could they do? to help kids realize what you're realizing at this point and help. Cause I'm imagine there's a lot of depression and mental health and stress and anxiety. I mean, they make movies about this, right? People like you that go through this pressure and then, then they eventually crack. But in the meantime, everybody gets a piece of you and we all get to be entertained. But what you're going through is scary and it's, it's hard and it's, you're the, you're, you have to go out and entertain them and keep that smile on your face. What could, is there anything the schools could do or that they do to help with these types of anxieties? I think a big thing is the faculty, honestly, because while I do understand that we have our responsibilities at the end of the day, regardless of how we may be feeling, and this is very much a generational thing, you know, millennials and Gen Z, we have been taught to put our mental health first before anything, where I don't want to generalize too much, of course, but that was less of a thing in certain, it also depends on culture and everything. That's not always the case with everybody, depending on their generation or where they come from. Mm-hmm where sometimes it's just you have a job to do and even so even in my state and my friends states that we're all in and the things we're all dealing with even so regardless just because of how life is sometimes you just have a job to do and you just have to do it whether you're a performer or not you know there is an element of performing where 
you just have to, like you said, smile and entertain, even if you're not feeling that way yourself. Mm-hmm. And that is true of all professions. There is a certain level of professionalism and responsibility. So I'm not going to go out here and say that faculty should be cutting all the slack in the world, regardless of circumstance, and nobody should ever have to do anything just because they're feeling a certain way. But one thing that has been very comforting to me is when I've had certain teachers that I can go to where it's not that they're going to solve the issue. It's not that they're going to do anything drastic or, un- or you know, completely change my curriculum for me. Mm-hmm. But at least I know somebody's on my side. Yeah. And I think it's also up to the students, like I said, to take the measures that they need to to help themselves because everybody's different you have to figure out what works for you i know i'm still doing that and it's a back and forth it's the faculty it's the program how it's curated how everybody relates to each other but it's also on the students part to not only help themselves but communicate what's happening if you're going through something really heavy and it's affecting your school experience, how you are with the other students, and nobody knows why, that's not on the faculty. Mm-hmm. It's scary, but that's on you. You know, you have to figure out how to communicate with people, and I have to work on that too. I'm not always communicative, but the times where I have been, even if I don't always feel like it's going to be, it is always a huge weight off my shoulders, at least for a moment. And those moments, whether they last a long time or not, can be a huge stepping stone to feeling better eventually, I think. Wow, well said. Very well said. Anais Reno, she's back and she's here with us today. <laughs> and and uh, such a wise, I said this to you off, off air, and I'm, I'm sorry if I keep embarrassing you, but you're such a wise <laughs> person. And um, thank you. You know, I learn from you when, whenever we talk. I learned something new. Her debut album is released on April, was uh, was released uh, on April last year of 2021. She has a new album in the works with a date and a title to be told at another time. No way. We're going to tease you. <laughs> in the meantime, though, do yourself a favor. Love something. Anais Reno sings Ellington and Strayhorn featuring the Emmett Cohen trio. Uh, let me just read a review here. Uh, I mean, you've got some incredible reviews from some downbeat magazine. Bill Milowski. Reno delivers with rare maturity throughout and delivers with uncanny depth on the melancholy torch song, I'm Never Happy Anymore. And she swings with ferocity and sass on Anita O'Day on the up-tempo closer Never been in love. Stefan Mosher of Broadway World says, this is a once-in-a-lifetime voice, and I couldn't agree more. Uh, also, once-in-a-lifetime person, if you're lucky enough to get to know her like we are on the show today. Um, look for upcoming tour dates on our website. It's at anisreno.com. I'm going to spell it for you. A-N-A-I-S-R. E-N-O.com. And on Instagram, you can follow her at Anais Reno Jazz. 
Although I notice you don't post a lot, and I, I like that because I'm not posting a lot either, and I want to find people like me that don't probably really like to post a lot, and I think <laughs> we should have an uprising. What do you say? You want to join? <laughs> okay. Uprising of the non-posters. <laughs> yeah, the non-Instagram. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Just because you're supposed to doesn't mean you have to. We'll be right back <laughs> with more from Anais Reno. I'm Shadow Stevens. While I'm doing this and that and the other thing at the very same time, I'm having a great time on The Jeremiah Show, the greatest show in the history of the world. For the love of God, subscribe. No, seriously, subscribe. Hey, this is Jeff Stunk Baxter. We all need to keep our veterans, men and women who served, who are on the wall and who were on the wall in our hearts at all times. Sometimes they need help. There are a number of organizations that are dedicated to helping our veterans. Please open your heart and reach out to a veteran and let them know, number one, that they are loved and respected and that you won't give up if they don't give up. And you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Hey, everybody, it's Tim Stack from It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack telling you, asking you to watch the show Sprung on Freevee, Amazon's new free channel. I promise you it's funny, it's got heart, and my shoulder appears in episode three. Welcome, Los Angeles. The Jeremiah Show is now on Radio Candy Radio. Discover a world of emotions, your digital radio. The Jeremiah Show airs 10 p.m. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. RadioCandyRadio.com. Welcome back to The Jeremiah Show. We are with one of my favorite people in the entire world. Not only is she just an, oh, let me, I don't want to put any more pressure on her, but she <laughs> sings really good. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> You're fine. Okay. I, don't, I, I just love her voice. She's a songbird. She's a uh, just a, a really special person, and uh, we're having such a great conversation. So welcome back. If you've missed any of this, definitely check it out on the podcast uh, if you're missing it on the radio. You brought up, a. we were talking before the break about 
when you're down or you feel pressure or you're having a bad day or you're depressed, we all go through that. And what I like what's happening, I'm seeing a, a sea change where people of all ages are able to say, I'm tired. My, I, I don't have it all right now. I need some time to myself. I need to read a book or write or journal or whatever, you know, sing, listen to music, go for a walk. Uh, I need time for myself. I need my, you know, if your brain, if it's not charging and if it's not good, you know, that's always been a stigma before and it shouldn't be. It's a, it's like everything else. If you sprain an ankle or you, you know, your voice is, your throat is sore from saying, you know, and you can't sing. You've got to take care of, of everything. And, and the thing that, that charges and fires all these neurons and all this, uh, everything that inspires us in our daily lives comes from our brain. And we need, it, it, it's, there's nothing wrong with telling people that you're not okay one day or maybe a week or maybe a month. But tell somebody. That was your advice. And I it's about before the... He's before the um, the break, and uh, I think it's good advice. I forgot my question. I talk too much. <laughs> I've been, I've been well, told that, but I, I forget. Mean, Tell I people. just want to say I so appreciate you mentioning that because with that stigma comes us not even talking about the fact that nobody talks about it, you know? When... It is this silenced topic, then where do you go from there? Right. It's not that we all need to make a scene about what we're going through. Again, it depends on the person, what works for you. Some people work better by themselves, depends on the topic. But I know that for me, at least, I have the very common urge among many people to isolate when I feel a particular negative way. And yeah, of course. I mean, it's such a common thing that we all do. And I think so many people can relate to that. And the thing about isolation and feelings of depression is that they function in a cycle. So it starts happening and then the isolation makes it worse, which makes you isolate more, which makes it worse. And then it becomes this very difficult hole to get out of. Mm -hmm. And I think the second that somebody else knows you're going through something, it doesn't need to be a burdening thing to talk about or to tell somebody. Right. But all of a sudden it forces you to not be on your own or at least get it out there, even right. mentioning it can help you for, I don't know, 20 minutes. It doesn't have to change the whole situation. It won't necessarily solve everything. But I mean, all we can really ask for, I think, rather than this very distant goal of life happiness, whatever the hell that means, is just moments of relief, I think, from everything that's happening, you yeah. know? Yeah. Because as we all know, and I'm preaching to the choir of everybody who's already aware of this, you know, life isn't going to take it easy on you. So why don't you just give yourself a second whenever you can? Like, yeah. it's not just going to hand you like happiness and peace all the time. So just if 
talking about it for 20 minutes helps you. I don't know. Maybe do it. Mm -hmm. That's what I found. You know, and then you can find someone who can relate to you, maybe. And that's a huge thing if you're lucky enough. Find that person. Yeah, and they are there. A lot of times you don't realize they're there. You don't want to burden them, right? You don't want to burden them with your problems or your thoughts. Um, But that's not... They will appreciate that and probably come to you when they have problems or they're 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 Mm -hmm. troubled um yeah i I find like the isolation thing that you mentioned in the beginning where you go isolate for me um talking all day and out there all day um i I need it i I need it more than you know i can go I'll, i'll do i'll do this interview and i'll go home and i'll just be wiped because you give this energy and you put out energy and you're putting out conversation and we're really having a good one conversation, I think. But, but at the end, you go home and you gave it all. You gave it away. And so you need to recharge. And I, I think a lot of us don't. We have this, you know, we live in a society where it's just go, go, go. And you, you can't be down and get back up and go tomorrow. And, and what are your next 10 things coming up? And um, the isolation really helps me. Um, but what happens, I notice people that love you worry about you. Why aren't you answering your phone? Mm-hmm. Why can't I get, why can't I text you every five minutes like normal? Or you've been talking to me all week and then you disappear for two, two days. I've never been able to explain that personally. Do you feel, do you find that where you've got people that care about you, love you, and then you're like, I need some time and you don't look at your phone. Do they worry? Or if you go away and hide for a little bit to get healthy. Of course. I mean, that's the thing. I think there's good isolation and then there's, less good isolation. I don't know that it's so black and white as right and wrong, good and bad. But like you said, there's the type where you're charging and you're getting back the energy you need because especially like with a career that you have interviewing and promoting and you have this Birdland show now, you know, you have to be on all the time as we all do in some capacity. Mm-hmm. And so when you need a moment for that whether it is to recharge or because you're actually going through something and it's your instinct to be by yourself yeah it can definitely worry people and i know i'm not always great with communication and that's why i've been trying to be better with it because i also know what it's like to be on the receiving end but with the whole idea of burdening somebody i do think that sometimes it can be a little bit unrealistic to think that if we talk about something especially if it's something heavy that the people around us who genuinely love us are going to be completely unaffected in an ideal world right i just don't think that that entirely makes sense if you are going through something that is incredibly hard for you and that weighs very heavily the person who loves you is going to feel it too to some extent probably Mm-hmm. But I think it's more a matter of who in your life can carry that, mm-hmm. who in your life finds that worth it. It's just part of relationships. I don't think it's a necessity that nobody is affected by what you're going through because we're affected by what other people go through and we're okay with it. Mm-hmm. You know, once in a while, we do need some time to not give and we just need to be there for ourselves. But that's why everybody's just trying to find the balance, you know? Right. It's not one or the other, either unload all the time or isolate and never talk to anybody. It's the balance. 
which is so hard to find and i don't think anybody ever really finds it because who has ever quite figured everything out i don't no. think and we're not There's going an to, to but but, uh, but talking like this yeah. yeah and but uh, we're not going to find the answer no one it will nobody has the answer but you can you can do this you can have a conversation hopefully with someone you can um, mm -hmm. reach out and people do care and you know find the thing that makes you happy uh, uh distract yourself as exercise if it's music it should be. Let me tell you what you should be doing. This I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually I may have discovered the answer on this show today. The answer <laughs> is listen to this album. <laughs> Love something. Anais <laughs> Reno sings Ellington and Strayhorn featuring the Emmett Cohen trio. You can't help but feel better. There are songs uh, to make you dance. No, there are songs to make you laugh. There are songs to make you cry, and she'll bring you up and down, and you're going to really enjoy it. If you get a chance to see her on tour or, or playing somewhere, go. Upcoming tour dates are on our website at anaisreno.com. She's on Instagram at anaisreno. Jazz. Um, quick question. I do have to go. Richard's waving at me, but for a break, um, and we'll be right back. Does the audience, you mentioned writing helps you. Does the audience give you a feel when you're out in front of an audience? Even if you don't feel good when you walk out there, once they start cheering and clapping and, and listening to your music, does that help you? Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why during the pandemic, all the performers were so upset. You know, it's not that there wasn't a way to perform. We had videos and live streams, but of course, there's a certain energy and a certain real connection mm -hmm. that comes from performing i think it depends on the performance of course we all have days where we feel particularly electric with the energy and on days where we're just getting through it it's unrealistic to think that it will always be one particular upward slope but of course an audience especially a nice one a good one will totally make things better at least for a moment Anais Reno. we'll be right back but I don't mind the dark Discovering the day Cause the night is a beautiful I can never get enough And what brings me down now is love Cause I can never get enough of love And it's a dangerous time For a heart on a wire Station to station Noisily not knowing why 
Welcome, Somerset, England. The Jeremiah Show is now on Core Radio. Keep on rocking to the core. Core Radio, the Jeremiah Show, airs at 10 p.m. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. CoreRadio.rocks. Hey, everybody. I'm Art Alex Hux from the band Everclear, and we're going to be on tour this summer. Hope to see you guys out there. Take care. With the Jeremiah Show. Ginsburg wrote a poem that's pretty famous about New York City called My Sad Self, and he wrote it to Frank O'Hara. I'm going to read it here for you, and I'd love to hear your uh, thoughts, Anais. Um, Sometimes when my eyes are red, I go up on top of the RCA building, and I gaze at my world, Manhattan. My building's Streets I've done feats in, lofts, beds, cold water flats. On Fifth Avenue below, which I also bear in mind, it's ants' cars, it's little yellow taxis, men walking the size of specks of wool, panorama of the bridges, sunrise over Brooklyn machine, sun go down over New Jersey where I was born, and Patterson where I played with ants. My later loves on 15th Street, my greater loves on Lower East Side, and my once fabulous armors in the Bronx. Far away. Paths crossing in these hidden streets. My history summed up. My absences and ecstasies in Harlem. Sun shining down on all I own. In one eye blink to the horizon in my last eternity, matter is water. Sad, I take the elevator and I go down, pondering, and walk on the pavements, staring into all men's plate glass faces, questioning after who loves and stopped, bemused in front of an old automobile shop window, standing lost in calm thought, traffic moving up and down Fifth Avenue blocks behind me, waiting for a moment when time to go home and cook supper and listen to the romantic wars on the radio. All movement stops and I walk in the timeless sadness of existence, 
tenderness flowing through the buildings, my fingertips touching reality's face, my own face streaked with tears in the mirror of some window at dusk where I have no desire for bonbons or to own the dresses or Japanese lampshades of intellection. Confused by the spectacle around me, man struggling up the street with packages, newspapers, ties, beautiful suits toward his desire, man, woman streaming over the pavements, red lights clocking, hurried watches and movements at the curb. All these streets leading so crosswise, honking lengthily by avenues, stocked by high buildings, or crusted into slums through such halting traffic, screaming cars and engines, so painfully to this countryside, this graveyard, this stillness, on deathbed or mountain once seen, never regained or desired, and the mind to come where all Manhattan that I seem must disappear. This is written on uh, 1958, October, New York. And I just thought it, it summed up New York in so many different ways and feelings you have. What do you think? Oh, it's beautiful. I've never heard that. No? Oh, I liked it. It had this whole sum up of his history, but also the fact that there's a lot of melancholy in there. It's beautiful. Can you send me that? (laughs) Actually, I I will. I I will. And uh, just to repeat the poem, uh, My Sad Self by Allen Ginsberg. Uh, it's, it was written to Frank O'Hara. And uh, before we take another real quick break here, Anais, uh, we talked off air, and I mentioned to you, I've had uh, listeners email me, text me, or, or reach out to the guest that was on a show and tell them, I was there, I was on the edge, and I heard what you said, and it really helped me. And I, uh, I don't think, honestly, I'm not just saying this, I don't think I've had such a great conversation with someone so honestly about what you go through um, as a young artist, as a, as, as a person in this world, the pressures and the anxiety that may arise. Uh, you have really given some good advice. There are things that help you and I think will probably help, lis- li- help listeners. And I wanted to encourage the listeners to reach out to you, Anais Reno, if you reach them, and are you okay with that? Or uh, you know, could you help if someone wanted to ask for advice or just talk to you? Well, thank you. I mean, I would be honored, really, if anybody thought that anything I've said today meant anything to them. I mean, I'm still figuring it out in a very big way, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm just on the other side of everything and I'm speaking from this wizened stance. But mm-hmm. yeah, if anybody just wants to talk about anything, I could use it too. So I would love that. I mean, you can just message me on Instagram. As Jeremiah said, it's just Anais Reno Jazz. So yeah, no pressure, of course, but I know I would greatly appreciate it as well. We're all just figuring it out. And <laughs> we're figuring it out with Anais Reno. We'll be right back.
Check out Jeremiah's top 10 new artist picks on Radio India Alliance each week. The Radio India Alliance is a chart service that allows indie recording artists an opportunity to have chart placements. We don't charge. We support RadioIndiaAlliance.com. Hi, my name is Zara Knight and I'm with Farm Jam Music Festival. I'm Greg Knight and I'm with Farm Jam Music Festival as well. Real farm, real people, real music. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to The, the Jeremiah, Jeremiah Show. Show. Hey, it's Tim Stack, and having been in show business for so long, I have a lot of really funny friends, and you can hear them all on It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. That's part of The Jeremiah Show. So listen. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Show. We are with the great Anais. Oh, just just good enough. Anais Reno. No stress. <laughs> no pressure. She's great, though. She's awesome. Um, you got to check out uh, her album, her current album out, her debut album, Love Something. Anais Reno sings Ellington and Strayhorn featuring the Emmett Cohen trio. Go to her website at anaisreno.com. Welcome back. Uh, we only have two minutes on the clock, so I'm going to, that's why I'm talking so fast, like a, um, I don't know, like whatever. Tell us about your neighborhood, your favorite neighborhood, and why in New York City. I honestly very much like the one where I live. I mean, I live on the Upper West Side near the Hudson River. It's very beautiful. It's close enough to everything where things are accessible, but it's still a lot quieter. There's a sense of community there. And of course because of that scenery it's just gorgeous so as cheesy as it is where i grew up would probably be my favorite mm. and do you walk to a local restaurant there a favorite restaurant i don't know if i'd say i have one favorite restaurant Name a around there but there's one that i have some nice memories of it's on 72nd between i want to say amsterdam and columbus and it's called legend 72 and 
they have these pork dumplings <laughs> that have soup inside them. Ooh. And I have this memory of them because my friend from middle school took me there for the first time in eighth grade. We went throughout high school and just recently we go to different colleges. We met up and went there and got the same thing. And so because of that sentimental value and also just because the food is good, I very much like that place. Uh, we'll put that out there. We'll put the website out there when we post this show. Uh, how about writing? You mentioned that one of the things that you do to really um, help yourself and re-energize is writing. Where do you go to write? Do you have a coffee shop, a little hideaway? You don't have to give out the address so your fans don't follow you. <laughs> Honestly, I just like to do it at home. I like the comfort of a bed. I'm not a big desk person. And I like when it's quiet. Mm. I don't particularly like to go in public for something like that. And it happens so, like the times in which I do that are so few and far between that it tends to be at home anyway. I like the sanctuary of that person. I like that answer. And that's your, your comfort area, right? Your re-energizing um makes you happy if new york as a musician and musicians will understand this and i won't and nobody else will and maybe the question doesn't even make sense and you can tell me that but if new york were a couple music notes of your favorite music notes what would those notes be if you had to describe new york with music by music notes you mean like the literal like c or e yeah, or something like that Huh. <laughs> does that does the question even make sense well, <laughs> as a musician? I kind of have like a little bit of synesthesia, like I associate notes with colors and and stuff like that. I don't know. I've <laughs> okay. Tell me what colors. Um. Well, that's just, a different. I don't know. It's always been some sort of blue to me, to be honest. When I think of New York, I think of like a sky blue, and that's mm -hmm. probably honestly because. When you see all, all those postcards and propaganda of New York growing up, it's always the skyline. Yeah. And so I think because of that, in my head, it's blue. <laughs> I like that answer. You it's know what? Some weird, but, it actually yeah. works. I put in a uh, Counting Crows song called, because this made me think of it. Um, I put in a piece called um, uh, Blue Buildings, Beautiful Blue Buildings, I think is the title of the song. And I, well, you'll you listen, go. you'll hear it when you, when you, if you listen back. All right, I'm going to let you go. But uh, before you do, you mentioned your dorm roommate and a couple people that have, uh, you mentioned a professor or, or someone that, that has helped you that you can go to and talk to. And you mentioned a mm -hmm. couple people that are, you know, f working as hard as you are in their, on their craft. Do you want to Drop a couple names, anybody that's got another record out, I'd a friend to. of yours that you, we can promote here. Anybody you want to promote and thank? I would love to. A professor who has been really huge for me within that is Pete Malinverney. And I actually knew him before I even came to the school. He's a pianist. And up until last semester, he was the head of the program as well. He's still teaching at the school, though. And he and I have a very close relationship. And also... I, you know, I just have some really great friends over here who I feel very grateful to have met. My friend Lillian, my friend Bridget, my boyfriend Samir, um, just these really wonderful, incredibly smart people at this school. And my teacher, Alexis Cole, uh, also Sherry Overholt, who you mentioned in my bio earlier. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, I'm not involved with the school, my parents and my grandparents. It's just, I do feel very fortunate to have a support system and 
people who are also just trying to figure it out and who are incredibly intelligent at doing so. Mm, that's nice. Before the last one, last one, your mom's name, because she's actually been on the show. So you should, if you've listened and you loved Anais and her music, check out her mom. Her mom had a, has a great violinist and plays different instruments, but your mom's name? Julie Kurtzman. And your dad's name? Camille Reno. And this is Anais Reno. And we are going to play for you right now off of uh off of the album we've been mentioning um and i'm going to mention again here just a minute ago i'm just a lucky so-and-so Anais reno and you can pick up the album and you should love something Anais reno sings ellington and strayhorn featuring the emmett cohen trio again i it's i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did it's a great hour together I did. thank you so much for having me back thank and you thank you richard this is so much fun i love talking with you and you have my number if you need a therapist i'm here for you okay? <laughs> anytime <laughs> okay everybody uh thank you once again uh communicate but listen more and evolve and have a great week mm -hmm. down the street seems everyone I meet gives me a friendly hello I guess I'm just a lucky so-and-so the birds in every tree are all so neighborly they sing wherever I go I guess I'm just I'm just a lucky lucky so-and-so if you should ask me the amount in my bank account I must confess I'm slipping but that don't worry me Cause confidentially I got a dream That's a pippin And when the day's through Each night I hurry to a home Where love waits I know I get this I'm just a lucky soul so, but wait it and wait it and wait it and wait, I wait it, it, but wait, I move out and that day. Day and double and double do even
Did you like our soundtrack? Find all of our soundtracks on Spotify. The Jeremiah Show. Look for the black label. As always, a big thanks to our station manager, Les Carroll, for letting us on the air at all. Listeners, we appreciate you and want to hear from you. Please send us your ideas at jeremiah at thejeremiahshow.com or on Messenger, on Facebook, or Instagram. The Jeremiah Show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and me, your announcer, Tony Kelly. Communicate, listen more, and evolve. My name's Danny Trejo. Jeremiah, your loved homes. I love you. I love you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at fantasy points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 